In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Beth Laurie, and it is just a privilege and a pleasure to be with you today. And I have a special guest who's been with us many times before, Pastor Steve Wood. Hi, Steve. Hello. How are you, Beth? Doing well today. Thank you. And how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. It's always a pleasure to have uh, Steve, our senior pastor, to come and just share with us as we talk about disciple making. He said a phrase a few weeks back that just caught my attention, and I thought this would be a good thing to have you come and unpack with us. But you used the term extra grace required, and it really sparked my interest is to hearing more about what that is and what that looks like in disciple making and you know, we all need that sometimes. So, Steve, we'd just love to hear your thoughts on on that topic a bit. Well, uh, thanks. And I'll be happy to uh, talk about that in the context of disciple making. Let me begin with uh, a confession that in the Dictionary of Christianese and other places that you can now research terms such as this, I think what you'd probably find is that uh, extra grace required is one of several uh, labels, acrostics, if you will, uh, extra care required. There's a bunch of them for a classical definition, referring to people who are just basically difficult to love. And <laughs> I, th- I think I understand that well. I think I've been one of those people at various times in my life. But in the context of disciple making and really living in uh, what Martin Luther King Jr. called beloved community. Uh, this is far more than just a simple diagnosis that uh, someone is difficult to love. If we pay attention to the group dynamics that are happening amongst the microcosm there of the body of Christ, our small community of faith, uh, what we'll discover is a deeper and wider need for those that we would say, hey, um, it looks like this is going to require a little extra grace. Uh, The extra grace required term I first heard from Dr. David Siemens, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell you that was in the mid-80s, but it became a popular term uh, for Dr. Dale Galloway and Carl George and some other uh, very respected um, church and ministry leaders who knew a great deal about small group uh, dynamics. So if we're in a scenario, (laughs) we're experiencing some of these dynamics that require extra grace. We need to be both compassionate, but also aware of what may be fueling the need to uh, either be noticed or loved, or accepted, or heard. That's kind of the first layer of paying attention uh, for those who facilitate groups to discern spiritually, and that's really an accurate term, to discern spiritually. Um, what's, What's motivating or triggering these comments or these behaviors? So 
uh, I kind of think about them or at least look at them in uh, three different ways in the context of discipling. Uh, The first one is the personal effect that this is having on a person who is displaying an inordinate need to either be heard or loved or accepted or agreed with. So it could be that um, there is a um, prolonged uh, hurt that has occurred in terms of uh, damaged emotions uh, or maybe a family dynamic uh, where this person uh, has not been heard. It could be that there is some sense of the fact that um, they've never felt like they really could speak up. And now the time has come for them to speak up and they got a lot of catching up to do. And so they take a great deal of time to uh, share what's on their mind. Uh, A second piece of that personally, uh, I would not classify as narcissistic behavior, but uh, there are people who unwittingly, I, th- I think unwittingly, believe that what they have to say is somehow more important than the other things that are being said in the group. And so there's some there's some patterns you can look for there in terms of maybe people interrupting or not letting other people finish their thoughts or... Another one is an immediate rebuttal, like a point counterpoint kind of dynamic that they feel like uh, this has to be said. What I've discovered over the years is that in the vast majority of those cases, uh, the people who are displaying that behavior are totally unaware that they're displaying that behavior unless someone lovingly helps them come to see and understand that. So it's not just pastoral care or group leader care. uh, It can be community care. Uh, The second kind of uh, dynamic that occurs where you often see extra grace required is what I would call situational. Uh, Someone's in an identity crisis or they're going through uh, a difficult time with their children or their health or their marriage. And, you know, what they're feeling emotionally trumps whatever the curriculum, the topic, whatever, whatever uh, is planned for the group, so to speak, in terms of uh, the disciple making agenda. And what they feel becomes so strong that they just have to share it. And in many times kind of camp out in it to make sure it's thoroughly shared. And um, there are times and occasions where it's appropriate to just stop and discern God's presence and let these people um, share what they need to share. But if it's a repeated behavior, then there's also a time to discern, okay, what's the best quarter of action here? Uh, we, we address this in a group dynamic. Uh, that's not often the best scenario. It's better addressed basically in a personal one-on-one 
where you can help people see, hey, here's what the other people in the group uh, are uh, experiencing. But everything from uh, loss of life to um, health issues and loss of job or that kind of thing uh, can affect us. There is, by the way, another type of this that we see where it's not expressive, but rather it's a withdrawal. And so all of a sudden you've got someone that is a part of the faith community and now they're either not participating, they're unusually quiet, uh, they're reserving their thoughts or inputs, maybe even out of fear of being uh, uh, disagreed with uh, in terms of being conflict avoidant or whatever. But that's also a sure indication that there is a need and a time uh, for there to be extra grace extended uh, to these people. So uh, let's be sure we understand that in Christian compassion and love and in uh, doing no harm, doing all that we can do and staying in love with God, that we don't that we don't begin to label people extra grace required as a chore or a burden or as a liability. It's a state. It's a need. And sometimes the need is exacerbated and can be addressed. And sometimes the need is legitimate and needs to be addressed. And then the third part of the element, then I know you got some questions you want to ask, is, okay, how is what's happening here affecting the group dynamic of the people we're doing uh, either discipleship training with or disciple-making with or that we're learning with? Um, you know, there's all kinds of different responses. Uh, sometimes the other group members uh, bow up. <laughs> and basically give the rebuttal. By the way, word to the wise, extra grace required people will trigger other extra grace required people. And then you have an escalation of emotions that has to be uh, addressed by the group leader. Another response is that uh, the... Um, participants in the group uh, either withdraw immediately or over time withdraw and basically uh, either don't participate or if the dynamic is not addressed within the group, uh, there are occasions where they will uh, uh, just simply say, it's probably best for me to leave the group. In other words, they don't want to, they don't want to be party to that uh, anymore. And so, uh, you know, there's great responsibility within the group itself in terms of discerning the will of God and sharing loving accountability. But the most common response, by the way, of other group members who intend to really be helpful uh, is to immediately jump into a codependent posture and begin offering remedies and how to fix this person or their problem, or their situation. 
<laughs> the, the, the poor person who's just either trying to grieve or share a damaged emotion, you know, gets 12 different pieces of advice of what they need to do. And uh, a great thing about a 12-step group, uh, a 12-step group like NAA or uh, Celebrate Recovery, uh, uh, basically uh, says, look, uh, we don't take one another's inventory and we don't fix one another's problems. Uh, we, we, we trust God to do that. So that's what we mean by extra grace required. And quite frankly, uh, it would be surprising to me of any group that runs any considerable length of time, a year, two, three years, that you don't have that dynamic show up in every member, at least for a little segment at some point in that group. Yes. Wow. And that, and you've given us a lot of good things to think about. And I can see this. So it's relational. It's group dynamics. It's um, paying attention to what you're saying is that there's all these things happening inside of us. And then we show up, um, you know, in our in our Christian groups, we show up in, um, to be with one another. And and that's those those things are still there. So. Your encouragement, I hear, first of all, is to be aware of it, like that know that this is a real thing. And I had never heard the term, but as you described it, I totally get what you're talking about. This is something that I've seen in myself. I even remember when um, I first came back to uh, Jesus and was meeting with um, Penny Morgan, who's the one who discipled me. I think the first year she just listened to me because I had lots of complaining to do. <laughs> and she just loved me and listened and cared. But that was part of my healing was that it was a safe place for me to uh, experience that. And she, to your point, she didn't try to fix me, but she did give me um, – she pointed me back to Jesus over and over again, which was the beginning of, of such a great journey for me. So I can see where we've all had those moments, right? Sometimes it's it's broken. And then to your point, sometimes it's a personality kind of dynamic or issue, um, but it can affect not only the person who's experiencing it, but then the other members of the group as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's rare that it doesn't affect of uh, everyone. And then, you know, there's some also there's uh, there is sometimes a pattern to the behavior of those needing extra grace required, especially if they have been in a prolonged situation of needing extra grace. And so one of the patterns, for instance, is to be totally quiet till everybody else has spoken and then throw the dominating bomb in the in the middle of the room on the table or the what they would think would be the maybe the shutdown statement or rebuttal or whatever and so if you begin to get a pattern of someone who waits to have the last word so to uh, uh, speak that's something to pay attention to as well on the other side of that coin is the eager beaver who is the self-professed expert um, who, <laughs> who, who is eager to say, here's what I know about that, and uh, to jump out there. And that can be an inhibitor to good, honest uh, conversation. The best group dynamic 
is when everyone's in charge of their own vulnerability and everyone in the group has an opportunity to be heard. Yeah, that's that's really where biblical community uh, unfolds. And and super important, right? Because there's some people that they have literally held in this, the, all that they're going through all week long to finally get to a safe place to share and then may not be able to have that chance if someone else is sort of, to your point, dominating the conversation or the time. Um, and then yeah. that person who also needs care and encouragement. Or, yeah. Or another example of that is let's suppose you've now got someone who is in a group or you're doing disciple making with, uh, but in the last group they were in, regardless of how long ago it was, they may have shared something very confidential that was then shared by one of the members with other people, and they feel totally betrayed in a group setting. You see, they come into this, whatever uh, community we're building or training or gathering with that memory, that damaged emotion and that kind of baggage that, you know, they don't know whether it's really safe to share or not and who's in the uh, group or the person who's just coming in, this is their first try at it. And then uh, they share something that gets an immediately rebuttal from uh, uh, someone within the group. That can, that can be uh, a tough one to handle in the give and take of it all. Right. And such a good point because, you know, we're um, we're learning, right, as we go as well. And so there are, you know, people who have never been in a group that don't understand the dynamics of it. There's people who have never had a relationship where they had to um, hold and care for people in a way, you know, without trying to fix them. I mean, there's just so many things that we when we come into these uh, groups or these relationships that are already going on and um, – not only do we need to navigate those very gently, which is why I love the the phrase "extra grace required," um, but because it gives you that mindset of yeah, yeah, we all need grace. I mean, everybody we need grace sometimes. And then on the opposite end is if and you spoke about this well, if you allow this to go on, boy, it can just destroy relationships. It can destroy a group. It can take it to a place that's very very unhealthy. Yeah, and, and then it becomes a disincentive for people to ever uh, want to be a part of a group again. You know what? I think there is uh, some genius and wisdom in many people of uh, Gallaty, uh, Ogden, who say, yeah, we prefer triads or quads. I mean, a group of three, four, five, probably no more than six people, uh, because the larger the group gets, and I've noticed this because I've had some groups of eight or 10 people, uh, the more baggage is brought into the room. It's just a natural human element. So with every, every additional person, you get their luggage too, so to speak, or their baggage. And, uh, uh, and so it appears that there is some wisdom. And if you really like to go deep and build real community, four or five no more than six people. That's a really good size for a uh, disciple-making type group. I, I agree with you on that. I, I find if it gets to be more than six, it is very, very hard to share. Um, a question for you. So you've done this for a long time. You've you've heard this. What would be a, a practical 
step maybe for a leader who's having someone who's like, to your point, either dominating the conversation or or dropping those bombs in that just take things to a really wrong place? Like, how have you handled this in the past that you've seen it be successful? Is that a one-on-one conversation or what? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think it's best handled uh, kind of in a, you know, Matthew 18 way. First go to the person and say, look, well, let me give you an example. Uh, in years past, I had a group where we just had this most wonderful man but every time we got to a spot or whatever, uh, he would reminisce into a story of the past, and it would take him about 10 or 15 minutes to tell that story, all right? But it began to happen in virtually every group meeting. And so what I began to realize was that uh, this wonderful man needed an opportunity just to be with someone to help him process his journey because he was processing his journey with the group, which in effect is, is a good thing. But um, when you have six people and someone talks for 15 or 20 minutes, it short changes the interaction with the others. So I went to him personally. He was totally unaware that that's what he was doing. We built a signal. I asked him if he would be respectful that if I gave him a signal when he went into that, and he said he would be open to it. And so I built a signal where I scratched my right eye when I saw he was going into that. And that didn't mean he had to immediately stop. He just had to be aware that he was reverting to this behavior. And uh, that worked uh, reasonably well and uh, at least cut down the time of the stories. But he was a storyteller and resolute to tell stories in virtually every meeting. But uh, the group, I think, appreciated the fact that uh, in spiritual maturity, he adopted the gift of brevity. Mm, That's good. I like the signal thing. I would have never thought of that. And that is such a gentle way of just, you know, giving us in, giving him some encouragement or, or, or a reminder um, in love that he's being thoughtful of the rest of the group because he said he didn't realize that it, he was doing that. So he he wanted to do what was best. So I like yeah. that. And by the way, I, I, I guess I need to share uh, this. I have never been a part of a group when someone came in and said, y'all, I've just got to share something. And it was obvious that it was on their heart and mind that the group didn't make room for them to be able to share that because we rejoice with those who rejoice. We hurt with those who hurt. We grieve with those who grieve. I mean, that's the definition of love from first Corinthians 13. So yeah, there's sensitivity. It's just more about the avoidance of the prolonged pattern of that happening in people's lives and helping them, uh, you know, mature beyond that. Right. Because that goes to the point you said earlier where sometimes it's a seasonal thing, like something comes up, a crisis, and oh, we yeah. all need that extra grace. We need that safe space. We might take up the whole meeting just loving on one person, and that's exactly the right thing to do. 
I, I, I got the feeling that's that's a normal expectation of groups and life and doing life together. Uh, but I also hear what you're saying, too, is then there's on the sort of other end is there's a person who maybe continually pushes the the dynamics of the group and requiring uh, either too much or I also liked your example of the withholding and then realizing it's not affecting everybody else. So um, it seems like there's really an, an important um, part of discernment is to really listen and notice and look for patterns in all of this. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a wonderful gift to be able to kind of steward the sacredness of the time when a group gets together. You don't realize that that time is sacred until maybe you're well into the group or the group is over and now you really cherish the time. But you do come to respect what was sacred about it. I would say probably the most common response, though, in those scenarios, and I don't know why it is, I guess it's just our human nature, but it seems like that the most common response, if you're not careful, is a default flesh pattern response of codependency and trying to fix whatever's going on. And that's a hard one to resist, but a good one to really practice uh, group discernment on the will of God and empathy, um, you know, without bombarding people with uh, solutions. Or wow. saying something like, I know exactly how you feel. Yes. Yeah, we mean well when we say that. The problem is, it's very rarely accurate that we know how they feel. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And this has been so good because I re- it's so much love involved in this. And so we got to remember that it's, um, we love, we give grace, uh, we we share wisdom, we fellowship. It's all intermingled in in that safe space that we have in our relationships, um, and it's done uh, driven by love. But I really appreciate you coming and unpacking this for us today, helping us to keep this in the front of uh, the front of our mind, especially as leaders at times where we're having to to sort of navigate those waters and and try some different things. But um, extra. <laughs> Uh, you know, what you bring, yeah, I know we're closing, <laughs> but you just made me think of something else. I was once in a group with a leader who would ask us a question, and before we could ponder it, he would answer it. <laughs> God. And, and so there's another dynamic of kind of extra grace required that, you know, if 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 we're going to invite people into a discussion, then we need to give them space to be able to respond to that at their own pace. But thanks for having me on, and what a joy it is that we can seat the heart of God together and just simply confess we're all sinners saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news is, is God accepts us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us like that. Yeah. Oh, amen. That's such good words of wisdom. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for coming on with us today. Uh, For all of our listeners out there, uh, share this podcast with someone who you uh, know might need to hear a little bit about extra grace required, because this is a topic that I think every one of us can relate to. And so um, until next time, God bless you, God keep you, and we'll, we'll talk to you then. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. 